Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the epistle to the Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Hear now the word of the Lord. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. Well, has anybody started making their New Year's resolutions yet? I know it might seem like a little, little early considering Christmas was just yesterday, but we have less than a week until the New Year is here. And... I know New Year's resolutions, each year they seem to get like feel a little bit less important. This year, I, I want to encourage you to put a particular emphasis on your New Year's resolutions. Uh, such an emphasis that I actually want you uh, this year to start thinking about them today. On December 26th, maybe it seems too early. I know typically I'm like... Uh, New Year's Eve, I'm sitting there, it's five minutes till midnight, and I'm trying to think, okay, what do I want my New Year resolution to be? Uh, let's start early this year. And, and in addition to starting early, as you think about them, I actually want you to write them down on, an, on a, a hard copy piece of paper, not just like on your phone. Your, I mean, your phone is fine. You can put it on your phone or tablet or whatever, but also on an actual piece of paper, and then hang that sheet of paper that has your New Year's resolutions on a place that you visit frequently or that you see often. For me, that's going to be the refrigerator. I don't know what that says about me, but I, I figure I can't actually hang it up on the Taco Bell drive-thru, so the refrigerator is the next best option. And actually hang it up there, your New Year's resolutions that you can see every single day. And, and writing it down has a certain effect that says, oh, maybe I should actually do this, because I know we get about a week in, and already we're starting to feel kind of weak when it comes to our resolutions. If you're uh, the kind of person who makes healthy diet decisions, and you're a week in, and all of a sudden, you know, somebody brings you a very nice-looking dessert or something like that. Maybe you're the kind of person who uh, wants to join a gym, and you realize that, well, the gym it takes about five minutes to get there, and it takes about 30 seconds to get to the TV, and so we'll just choose the shorter option. Writing it down gives us a little bit more encouragement and recognizing that we can pretty easily give up on our New Year's resolutions. I want us to make a particular emphasis on this starting now, to make this a real part of our year 2022. And I'll get more into the reason why in just a minute. But it might seem a little bit weird the day after Christmas talking about New Year's resolutions. I'm not trying to push Christmas out of the way. Instead, I want us to recognize that the Christmas season 
is meant to be a time that pushes us forward into new life. That's what the Christmas season is all about. We recognize the birth of Christ and what God has done taking on human form to come and live and dwell among us, to teach us, to show us how to live. We recognize that and then we let it impact us. See, the greatest danger of Christmas is that we let it stop after December 25th. And that's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is a season that carries on into the new year, pushing us forward with this notion of letting our lives be transformed by who Christ is, by that experience and knowledge of Christ's birth and life. Paul's letter to uh, the church in Colossae uh, is an interesting one. Paul never really met this group of people that he's writing to. In fact, there was another a friend of Paul's who started this church. And while Paul is in prison, he ends up writing this letter to uh, the Colossians because, well, they started doing something that uh, was a little bit odd to Paul. See, the church in Colossae, they, had, uh, they were a very Greek community, very, very Roman in nature, very Hellenistic, which meant that they had a lot of gods, like a lot of gods. Not quite as many as like the Hindu people, but a pretty significant amount of gods. And in the Roman community during this time, uh, there was this understanding that you could take on as many gods as you wanted to. So long as it didn't interfere with anybody else's life, you do you and you're good. And so people did. They would, they would try to cover all of their bases and just add in more gods whenever they learned about a new one. They would say, all right, we'll add this into our worship so we can cover all of our bases. And the church in Colossae, they end up hearing about Jesus. And they say, this is awesome. This is fantastic. Let's add it to the list, right? We're going to have another god that covers even more bases than we even thought about. And so they just kind of stick Jesus in their list of gods to worship just to try to appease everybody. And Paul writes this letter to them saying, no, this is not really the way that it works. Instead, like this is the one God that we're talking about here. This is the God who covers all of the bases being just one God. This is like, this is what it's all about here. And he starts going into uh, this description, particularly in chapter 3, before the verses we get to today, where he starts telling them that, in fact... This, us introducing you to this Jesus fellow, like this is meant to be something that takes you from an old life into a new life. That gives us something new to cling to. But here's the thing. The new life that Jesus offers requires that we give up our old life. The way that we did things before, everything that was important to us before, we let that go aside and we push that away because that's not what is important anymore. We still remember it and we learn from it, but we don't cling to that life. And he says the very same thing with all the other gods that they had in their life, but also with just the very way that they conducted themselves. And in the verses leading up to our uh, passage today, he ends up giving this list of these are the things you should not do. And, you know, it's, it's not a very comprehensive list, but it, it's a good start. Unfortunately, that list 
is what uh, I feel like too many people think about the Bible, that it's a list of things you shouldn't do. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you know what I've been saying ever since I got here. The Bible is not a rule book. It doesn't function that way. It is a helpful guide, but most importantly, it is a book of human potential. It shows us what humanity might look like at both our worst and our best. And mixed in there are some helpful guides, but it's not something that says, if you break these rules, then you're the worst person in the world. Okay, that's not a helpful way to look at the Bible. It is a book of faith, not a book of rules. And so Paul does this interesting thing right after he sets up, don't do all of this stuff, because, you know, if you say, don't push the big red button, what are people going to want to do? Push the big red button. Right? I don't know how many of you still get the urge when you walk past a fire alarm to pull it because you were told not to pull it so often. I still have that urge every now and then. And so after giving this whole list of do not do this, he then says, this is what you should do. He says, uh, starting in verse 12, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your heart, sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is one of the passages that I feel like I should just stop right here because that's the perfect sermon in itself. It just says, just, I mean, boom, that's it. You know, Five, five, six verses here, and that's like all I want to give to you today is just take this and receive it. But, I, you know, I like the attention, so I'll unpack it a little bit more. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I try not to make it too much about me, but uh, again. <laughs> Paul, in this passage, as he starts to present, this is what you should do. This is what a good Christian life, a transformed life in Christ, a new life could look like. He uses this interesting metaphor of clothing. And, and it's pretty simple to overlook this, but it's important to recognize what he's talking about here. Because the clothes we wear can do quite a lot for us. So I want to start by asking you, why did you pick to wear the clothes that you are wearing today? It's Christmassy. Yeah, it's still Christmas season, want to wear something festive? Yeah, absolutely. What else? Why, why did you wear the clothes you, you're wearing today? The last available clean clothes. The last available clean clothes. Yes, absolutely. We, we, we know that. It's, don't want to do laundry yet, so this is what I have. Any other? What's that? The weather. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Got to think about the weather. Yes, John Rawl. Mom picked it out. That makes it so much easier. Yeah, I, I miss those days when somebody would just pick out my clothes. So I picked up a different strategy uh, a while ago. Uh, I just wear what, what I'm wearing because it's all I have. If you were to look in my closet, it looks horribly bare. And it's not like, a, like I, I don't know 
like I can't buy clothes. I do this intentionally because it makes it easier to make decisions. Just, this is all I have. It's what I have to wear. And then I have, uh, we have an ironing board in our closet uh, that's the pile of clothes that it's too, too dirty to wear again, but also too clean to wash. So it's just kind of the in-between pile. Um, being a pastor I, I, in traditional service, pretty helpful that you know, I have to wear this. I have no other option. Yeah, there are a number of things that go into the reasons why we wear the clothes that we are wearing today. Uh, but we could even look back a little bit further. How did you get those clothes? Did you pick them out? Were they a gift? Were they something that mom picked out for you? I mean, oh, the, even the clothes that we pick out are saying something about us. Our clothes are a statement of our identity. And this is true both professionally and also personally. You know, if you see somebody wearing this robe, you're probably going to say, that person's not an engineer, right? You could probably guess what somebody wearing this robe is going on to do. Uh, likewise, if you see somebody in the white coat, you probably assume what they are. What might those person, people be? Yeah, so yeah, doctors somewhere in the medical field, absolutely. Uh, uh, whenever I worked at Grady Memorial Hospital, as a chaplain, we, they even gave us specific coats that we had to wear because it was an, a statement of our professional identity. Uh, this is just the case for many different professional fields. Uh, our clothes tell something about us to other people, but also personally. Uh, if you're a people watcher like me, then you take note of what people are wearing like almost immediately because what people wear is a statement about what's important to them. You know, are their clothes very practical? Are they very formal? Are they very casual? Are they very complicated? Um, the, the, like, one of the first things I notice uh, about, a peop about a person whenever I see their clothes are their shoes. Uh, and I picked this up after watching the movie Forrest Gump a million times. You can tell a lot, of a lot about a person by the shoes they wear. Uh, if they're wearing, you know, some really intense high heel shoes, I say that person probably doesn't enjoy being comfortable. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, if they're, if they're wearing something like uh, on-cloud shoes, those are like my favorite brand right now, super comfortable shoes. I say those people are very much into comfort. Uh, so our, the clothes we wear say a lot about our personality and who we are on the inside. Our clothes are an expression of our identity. And, you know, if you were to look back at pictures of me or, hey, even you over uh, the years, and see how you've chosen differently the clothes that you wear from uh, different times in your life. There, there was definitely a time in my life where I wore like all black because I was a really moody teenager. That's just like what moody teenagers wear is all black. Or the, uh, the times, there was a time in my life where I wore uh, Christian t-shirts. And there were these t-shirts that made all of these terrible Christian puns, things like, um, like it, it had uh, a red cross on it and it said, a blood donor saved my life. I was talking about Jesus. Or uh, it had the staples button on it, and this, but instead of uh, staples, it said Jesus. It's just that easy. And all of these, it's another moment in my life. The clothes say a lot about our identity and who we are on the inside. But not only do, are they able to say something about who we are on the inside, they're also able to influence us on the inside. Have you ever heard that uh, expression, dress for success? Maybe even dress for the job that you want, things like that. Uh, this is this understanding that the way that we dress can really impact our, 
not only our appearance to people around us, but also our attitude. Whenever I was in school, uh, whenever exam times would come around, they would always tell us, dress in your, uh, in your most professional and, uh, and um, what's the word? Oh, goodness. Your most professional and your most outstanding clothes. Because if you dress for success, for a test, you're more likely to do well than if you're just like sitting there in sweats and a t-shirt, which is fine, you know, if you're comfortable doing that. But, uh, I mean, you go online and find uh, hundreds of different research studies that show that the way that you dress is going to impact how you perform, your behaviors, your attitudes, your mood, the way you think. All of these things get influenced by our clothes. And it's, ab it's absolutely fascinating that we're able to really uh, change our inside, the way that we operate, just based on our clothes. And so Paul uses this metaphor of clothing for a very specific reason. It's to say that our clothes not only make a statement about who we are on the inside, but can also change who we are on the inside. If you want an even more simple explanation about this, think about I know it's hard to think about today, but on days when it's really cold outside and you put on a jacket, that jacket, your action of putting on that uh, apparel right there is going to warm you up inside, hopefully. Right? That's, that's the idea of a jacket. Something that you do on the outside affects you inside. And that's what Paul's trying to get at here whenever he says in verse 14, above all, clothe yourselves with this. Uh, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. He's saying it's time that we start putting on the outside what we talk about on the inside. And in the church, we often talk about uh, being transformed from the inside out. Right? There was this, there was this contemporary Christian song from back in like the mid 2000s called "From the Inside Out," and it was this prayer song saying. God transformed me from the inside out. And we talk about this in the church, that, that Jesus changes our hearts. And as Jesus change our, changes our hearts, our actions follow that change of heart. This is true, and this is an appropriate way to recognize this. But consider that the inverse of that might also be true. In other words, we change our actions and behavior so that Jesus can continue to change our hearts. That it works both ways, not only from the inside out, but also from the outside in. That's the concept that Paul is suggesting here. Clothe yourselves with these things. Do these things so that it changes you inside. You might have heard me tell the story about uh, John Wesley, the founder of modern-day Methodism. Uh, he had, you know, very religious guy. He even started a club called, of, of all names, the Holy Club. And he even encountered in his own life a time whenever he just felt really distant from God. Felt like his faith had dwindled and he didn't know what to do. And he was told by uh, one of his friends, a Moravian named Peter Bowler, preach faith until you have faith. Then when you have faith, you will preach it because you have it. And it's this concept of just because you don't feel it on the inside doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it on the outside. Keep doing it on the outside until it transforms you inside again. So both concepts are true. You can preach faith because you have faith. You can also 
preach faith in order to have faith. It's inside out and also outside in. And Paul here is trying to get the Colossians to recognize that you don't just have to sit around waiting for all of a sudden one day you have this miraculous change of heart and then you start doing good. In fact, he says, don't wait around for that. Start doing good now. And when you have that uh, dramatic change of heart, fantastic. You'll do even more good. But don't wait to start doing good until your heart has changed for it. Let your heart be changed as you are already doing good. And so he gets into this entire concept about clothing yourselves with all of these, uh, all of these different things, different features that resemble Christ's own life to be able to say, this is what new life in Christ looked like. Go ahead and adopt it. Go ahead and make that a part of who you are from the very beginning. And so, as we're getting close to the new year, less than a week away, and I'm encouraging you to go ahead and start thinking seriously about your New Year's resolutions, I want you to keep in mind five words. Now, I would love for, to just like, Really, if you could just take Colossians 3, 12 through 17 and write all of these words down and that be your New Year's resolution, fantastic. But if, if that's too much for you, five words, all right? And if you have something to write with, go ahead and write them down now. Even if you want to whip out your phone or something like that, not going to offend me at all. These five words. The first word, love. Paul says in verse 14, above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. How beautiful. Love. The second word, peace. In verse 15, And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. There might be peace. Number three, thankfulness. Thankfulness. Uh, the end of verse uh, 15 is one sentence, and be thankful. That's the sentence. And be thankful. So thankfulness. Then, the fourth word, this might sound weird, singing. Singing. Yes, in, uh, in, in verse 16, with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. Singing. A powerful action. It doesn't matter if you uh, feel like you have a good singing voice or not. Just let yourself be expressive in the arts like this, like singing. And then, number five, do. I know, I, I, I wanted to steal a, a phrase from Nike and, just, and say, just do it. But the fifth word, do. Two letters, do. In verse 17, and... Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do. These five words uh, I, I hope that you will incorporate into your New Year's resolutions. Uh, very simple words to start with, but in action, as we put them out there, they end up taking a, a more uh, impactful form. That concept of love. Clothing yourselves with love. This, is, this means every single attribute of who we are ends up encompassing love. And not just 
you know, family love or intimate love. This is agape love, unconditional, self-sacrificial love. Peace, uh, and we've, we've been talking about uh, these two words as we've gone through the season of Advent. Peace isn't just about, you know, feeling calm and tranquil. It is about an experience of wholeness, an experience of harmony, of being in perfect relationship with ourselves, others, our world, and with God. Thankfulness. Now, we talked, uh, we've talked twice now about this concept, particularly around Thanksgiving. Thankfulness produces joy. Thankfulness is, is, I mean, it's one of the most powerful emotions that we can actually feel in the way that it rewires our brain with, a, with a, an abundance of good neurotransmitters. Thankfulness, just being thankful for our lives. Singing, very simple concept that we might feel too embarrassed to do at times because we feel like people might be judging us. Paul doesn't care, all right? He just says, sing. Sing to God because that is a worthwhile way to spend our time. And then finally, do. Our lives are about action and activity. We are called to action and activity to actually be the church, to be people who do good deeds for one another. So all of these, these first four notions are, are cute and everything, but they mean nothing if we don't add that fifth one of doing them. Do love, do peace, do thankfulness, do singing. Right? These things are, are concepts that should be in action for us. And so if I'm going to make any kind of challenge on this last Sunday of 2021, it's make 2022 a year of a new you. A year that puts behind the old all of these other things that aren't productive or fruitful or that mean much and, re and adopt this lesson from Colossians 3. To clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Love, peace, thankfulness, singing, doing. To make 2022 a year of new life in Christ. And perhaps a word of encouragement as we prepare to do this. So um, we've this past weekend have experienced the passing of a uh, great leader in our world, the Arch, Archbishop Desmond Tutu uh, from South Africa. Uh, just a brilliant man, uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner, anti-apartheid uh, advocate, just, uh, he was in the Anglican Church, Archbishop in, in South Africa. I mean, if you ever get a chance to read anything by him or hear any of his speeches, please do so. Uh, it's truly a loss in our world. But, I mean, he lived a great life. He was 90 years old as he passed away. Uh, he, one of his quotes from a sermon that he gave in 1984, I believe, and I might butcher this, but uh, he said, do... All the little good, the, all the little good things that you can right where you are. Because it is those little good things put together that overwhelm our world. And so his, the sentiment there is simply, we can start with little things. 
We don't have to go out and try to end world hunger or poverty, though we should be collectively trying to do those things, but we as individuals, we start with one good thing, one little good thing, because it is the culmination and combination of all of these things that overwhelm our world. And my friends, we need a lot more good things in the year 2022. And so let's make this coming year a year of a new us, of new life in Christ, of a life that is represented by love, peace, thankfulness, singing, and doing. Let this new year of 2022 be a year in which we recognize how we are transformed by God with us. And let us pray.